Well, thank you all. Thank you for that introduction. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming, first of all. I know everybody's taking their free time and also from faraway places. Um, we've got Florida, we've got uh, Colorado, New York, um, and uh, any place in between. So um, tonight I'm just going to break the night down into five categories and just talk about the life of a working screenwriter because I think a lot of people think um, it's glamorous, which it's not. And it's you know a hell of a lot of work just to get anything made um, on any size screen on television or, or or features. And the key, which you know why I called this um, staying in the game, is you know everybody has this concept of making it, and I did too when I was I went to UCLA Film School, and I always thought you know making it was uh, you know we graduate and someone would you know hand us a three picture deal. You know, out, out of college, which obviously was not the case. Um, it took me six years um, after film school to land my first professional job, of which I was fired six weeks later. <laughs> so, and that was around Christmas time. So you can't write a worse scenario than that. Um, and I thought, you know, that was my. I had waited tables for ten years and done various odd jobs just to get through college, and I had always only said that I was going to quit that job, you know, the f waiting tables, if I was going to get into the business. So I said goodbye to my, my, you know, my friends and they said, oh, when are you coming back? And I said, never. And of course, six weeks later, I was fired, but I didn't come back. <laughs> but I didn't come back ever. I did catering, but um, I had a script that was optioned, which was my first spec. It was my fifth spec that I've written, and I've written 36 feature screenplays in my you know, whole life, um, of which 20 were assignments. And I've written nine TV pilots, of which two were assignments. And I sold one spec, like I said. So it's been, um, it's been a long journey. And like I said, making it, I think, is getting your next job. Um, because you're always, you're always looking for your next job, you know. Um, so let me just show a, a show of hands. How many people have written a screenplay? Uh, okay, how many have written uh, one to five screenplays? Oh, wow, okay. Uh, five to ten? Wow. Not good. <laughs> five to ten. Ten to twenty? Ten, that's impressive. Ten, that's good. That's, uh, that means you're serious. Um, because I find a lot of times, you know, someone just writes a script and then they don't, you know, which I'll talk about later about thinking about the bigger picture of like, why is a script? I also consult on the side and I read a script and I say, why would the writer, and I'm not bashing the script, but why, how, how does this fit into what's your scope of, of the bigger picture? Because you have to think that way because it's a business. You know, you can't just think about the one-off screenplay and then not have anything else. Um, and I always ask writers, you know, why why are you doing this? You know, is it for fame, fortune, and glory? Because there is none. Um, you know, I was 11 years old uh, making films with my friend who got a movie camera. So it's been my life's dream, and I was just, you know, like David Mamet says, the one who just wouldn't go away. You know, and and in a way that's good. In another way, you have to. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're working 10 years and you don't see success, you can continue, but. Some people may may not be you know uh, cut out for this, you know what I mean. And, and at some point, I've had friends 
who were um, actors and also writers who said, I, you know, I'm, I'm done. You know, I want to have these other things in my life. Um, I want to stop sacrificing. And, you know, uh, and if you have a day job, you know, keep the day job. Because if you're doing okay, that's all right. But I never had a day job. You know, I worked odd jobs, you know, always. And then I had a day job one time in my life, and it was um, at a law firm. But I had already been in the field, so it was hard to go back because it was a slow period. And I was like, well, what? Nothing's, nothing's cooking. And so a friend of mine uh, was, a, uh, was an attorney at the firm and said, well, we're looking for people. I said, oh, I don't want to get locked into this. So I did it for two years. And even at the time, I'd had a movie made while I was working the day job, but it wasn't enough money to quit. So I continued on there, and then I gave my notice the day that I got a phone call from a production company, and I'd worked for them before, and they said, well, why haven't we heard from you? And I said, well, I, I've been around. They said, we have a fast-track movie. Are you available? I said, absolutely, and hung up the phone, and I gave the two-week notice. And I, you know, and it, because I had already been used to taking that leap. It wasn't like, wow, I'm giving up this fantastic job making, you know, X number of dollars a year to give up for this chance. It was like, no. And I remember quitting, and, and the office manager said, well, I guess we expected this to happen someday because, you know, this is not what you do. And I said, yeah, I'm not a paralegal. It's okay, you know. I have to go, I have to go back to my writing life. Um, so we talk about specs, you know. You've got your specs. There's a lot of rewrite work out there. People, I find some writers think it's, um, I don't know, beneath them maybe to rewrite scripts. But if you, I've done it many times. Um, if you can have the ability to rewrite other projects, you're going to work. And many times you can share credit, which is important as well. And so you never know the job that you take. Um, example being, was it two years ago, I took a rewrite job. And um, it was a ridiculous, because a lot of times you're going into a situation that's not good. You know what I mean? It's, it's a mess. And they want you to clean up the mess. And you can be left holding the bag, and then it's whose fault is it? Or you can do an amazing job and fix it. So um, I remember saying yes to the job, and it was a ridiculous, like, we want it in two weeks. And I said, oh, of course. I hung up the phone. I was like, what did I just do? <laughs> are, you, are you crazy? But it, you know, it forced me um, to become a faster writer, and it's something I had to do. If I was going to... If I was going to play in this circle with the people that I had contacts with, I had to step up my game or say no. Now, I did the rewrite job, I got co-credit, and it led to four more jobs with the same company. So my point in that is you never know what job you take that you think is going to be, you know, eh, I might not want to do it. You have absolutely no idea what a job will turn into, you know what I mean, with the, with the contacts and connections. So you've got rewrite work, spec jobs, and of course, um, what I've been blessed with uh, is assignments. I've sold one spec, but that opened the door for assignment work with the company that made the spec. And they said, hey, um, this, is, this is the kind of movie we want to make, and now we're making other films. And so I was like, yes. And so assignment work, I've spoken to some writers, and obviously they don't understand that most of the movies that are written are assignment jobs. You know, they hire a writer, a producer brings a writer in, and the producer either pitches the idea or they say, we have this property and we need a writer. Okay, then it becomes your idea because you have to go through writing the treatment or the outline 
and then writing the, the final screenplay. So assignment is the bread and butter of working screenwriters. Um, so it's the place to be is, is doing assignment work. You, you need your specs, but I think you should look at it more as calling cards and learning experiences. You know what I mean? It takes three or four scripts to get even, in my opinion, um, to know your style, to know the craft itself, and to be, you know, know your style, how you want to open a scene, how you, your voice of, you know, when someone reads a script, they can say, oh, I understand that, that's your, I see what you, you do differently than, than you or you. And that's what you want to, you want to, to find that brand. Um, so assignment work is, is, is important. I mean, it's the bread and butter. You always have to write your specs, but you can't look at them as million dollar sales. I mean, that, that's why I used to look at it when I came out of college. It was like, oh, everything I wrote would get made. It's not the case. And then once I started getting paid, I thought everything I got paid for would get made, which is also not the case. Because right now I have five projects that are, as we say, development hell, and they're production-ready scripts that I was paid every draft for, but yet they sit on a shelf somewhere. You know, for a myriad of, of reasons that are, that are not up to me. Um, international marketplace changes, company changes the genre that they make, financing falls out, but that's not my fault. But a lot of those screenplays I go back and read and I'm like, damn, if I could only buy that script back. You know, it's sitting there on a shelf. And maybe someday, which I'll tell you a story, someday just happened. I wrote a, um, a movie 10 years ago. It was actually the film that got me out of the law firm and it was sitting dead. And so it just, boop, now there's a heartbeat left on it. And I got a call and I was like, are you kidding me? Basically it's like found money because I don't have to work on it anymore. It's already ready and done. It may not happen, but it was just funny as an example of like, you can never know when something is truly dead um, and it's out now to an investment group before with four other scripts. So it could happen, but it's just my point that um, you never know the journey of, of a project, even after you're paid to write it. Doesn't mean it's gonna be, and even projects, now this has not happened, but projects that were made, you can also have distribution problems where they don't get shown or they don't go on, you know. So there are a lot of things that once you start working, it's hard to swallow that pill and go, God, you know, it's frustrating, and it is. But also I try to craft the idea that it's a job. You know what I mean? It's, it's a career and a vocation, but it's a job like any other job that you have responsibilities and it just has to be a creative job. And um, like I say, I'm very blessed to get up in the morning and do what I love for a living because um, many people, um, you know, get up and hate their job and they work for the weekend. Most weekends, I'm actually working. <laughs> but it's okay, I love it, you know what I mean? Screenwriters sometimes don't get weekends off and um, that's okay when you love what you do. Because Monday and Tuesday can be my weekend. You know, I have, the, I have the ability to shift my schedule as long as the work gets done. So first scripts um, will probably not be good, which is fine. Um, they're learning experiences, they're tools, like I said, and you don't show them to anyone. Um, because I, I love on Twitter when someone says, I just finished my first script, how do I get an agent? And I'm like, you don't. Not with your first script unless, you know, it's the most amazing thing ever, and it, it, you know, no offense, but it probably is not. And what's your backup? I'll talk about that when we talk about representation. What's your backup? You can't, you can't entice someone's interest and have nothing else. I had a friend who, who, who made an independent feature, and it didn't sell. It took an ungodly amount of money and time, 
And they're like, great, okay, that's nice. But what, he didn't have anything else. And I was like, you don't even have another screenplay? You know, so this is why I talk about strategically thinking about what is your, just don't willy-nilly, you know, you can write it as a hobby, but you have to consider, you know, the very methodical plans, which always you have to bob and weave with it, obviously, but you can't just um, have one the one script or the one script that took you, you know, uh, six years to write because what what are you doing for that other six years? If you want to work, that's okay. Some people have... Uh, I've heard some people say, well, I, you know, I just want to work on my spec and, you know, that's all I want to do. Okay. Got a good day job, pay the bills. Fantastic. You're okay with that. But if you want to do it as a job, as, as a working screenwriter, then you have to have product. You have to have an output of, of solid screenplays to show, you know, that, that you're not just a one trick pony. Um, so we'll talk about, uh, before you consider writing your idea in the genre um, I've, I've written different genres because I'm blessed because the different companies say, oh, we want this kind of movie and I write it. But generally, the first genre you sell is going to be the movie that you're known for. If you, you know, sell a comedy, they're not going to send you out to write action movies. You know, they want to put you on lists to say, oh, you're, he's a comedy rewrite guy or, or he's a, you know, whatever. Um, so, and you should be writing things you, you like. I forgot what uh, writers said, but you know, don't write Annie Hall if you don't like romantic comedies, or you know what I mean. So if you're trying to force the issue, it's going to show in the project. You're going to go. Mm, this is kind of like I can tell the writer really doesn't want to write this thing. You know, it doesn't like this genre, and and I think it's okay to be uh, pigeonholed. Actors complain about it, but if you're known for a particular genre, you're going to work. I, you know, and I've always been I. First to say, I love to work. I love to get up in the morning and sit down and write that script. And, you know, uh, if you're scattered, which I've had the experience of coming to an agent, they go, what do you got? So you open the trunk, you go, I got a Western. I got a thing. I got a thing. They're, whoa, whoa, whoa. How can you write all these movies well? I don't get it. How am I supposed to sell you as a writer? How do I, what's your best project? And so I've had people say, well, just give me your best project. I know they're all the best project. You know, it's like, well, you know. Um, but you know what I mean? It's like, um, so you, you come up against that. And yes, everything I say tonight, the rules can be broken. I'm just telling you from my own experience in the last 20 years. So everybody in this room is going to have a different experience and does, and will have a different way of breaking in. But there are certain things that just happen to all of us, you know, and um, especially the nature of the business when, when, you know, it's a business unfortunately. And if you can get some good stuff in there, that's great. But, you know, I produced an independent feature. It took us three years. Would I do that again? I don't think three years of my life is worth that. Um, it's a great learning experience, but um, it's just too hard. You know, it's too, you know, uh, and then you decide what do you want to do? You want to be a producer? You want to be a writer? I always wanted to be a writer because I was interested in creating the product. And a writer can work anywhere in the world, you know. Um, this year in, in the spring, I was in Italy, so I was working on a project. Doesn't matter where I am. I have a laptop, internet connection. Producer doesn't care uh, if I'm in LA, as long as the job gets done and I'm on schedule. Arrivederci, you know? <laughs> so, now how many people, when they write their specs, um, consider the budget? All right, yeah. I never did when I first started. I, 
you know, we said, right big, you know, whatever, $100 million budget, which is, I guess, the average now for Hollywood film. Um, you know, budget's gonna, I consult and I'm like looking at script and I say, wow, unknown, uncredited writer, this thing can't be made for less, and I'm just estimating, $100 million. There are five places in, in, the, in the town that can make this movie. And what are the odds that out of the 50,000 registered a year that this thing's gonna get made? So you've, you've locked yourself in. Now, yeah, you can shrink the movie down, but how, they're not gonna buy and go, yeah, we think we, you know, we make $5 million budget, so what you need to do is really, it's too much development process there. They wanna get a script that is a $5 million budget script, not a $100 million budget script. And I'm not telling you to tell anyone what they need to write, but it's even more important now than it was in the past that when people used to throw money at scripts, a million dollars to take it off the, you know, they just don't do that anymore. I think there's 75 specs, quote me, could be wrong, sold last year, you know, at the studio level, 75. That's terrible. And, and those numbers were down from the previous years, you know, and uh, another statistic, and I always say not to scare you, and you probably already know this, um, it's approximately 20,000 writers in the guild, and uh, last year, 5,800 reported income. And these are WGA writers, all professional writers who've had a credit, you know, 5,800. And out of those, 1,940 were feature writers. So the rest are in TV. So the majority of writers in the guild are te television writers, because there's a lot more projects, obviously. Um, and I remember back in the day, you know, um, coming out of film school that TV and features, TV was kind of looked down on like, pff, you know, features were it. And so I would meet an agent and they would say, well, um, I don't know anybody in the TV world, so what do you write? I write features, you know. I'm gonna sell them for big money, you know, like the people who graduated from my school did, you know. But now, it's cry, there is no, it's seamless. Big people, J.J. Abrams, you know, they're all working, you get cross back and forth. In fact, the people who've started in TV go to features, they go back. So the point being, you know, diversify your writing. You know, if, you, if your specs are hitting walls, try TV pilot. You know, I, I wrote a web series, which I never thought I'd enjoy, nine episodes of, of a season um, with a director, and I never thought I would enjoy it, but I was like, web series, you know. I love the hell out of writing that thing because of the constraints. I liked it. And so now I say, well, I have a web series that I, I've written. Um, a TV pilot, you know, and I, I don't mean a show that's been on, write an original TV pilot with, with the show Bible. Now, will it sell? Who knows, but someone can see your voice. So if you're just focused on spec, 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 which I think you have to open it up because that opens up more opportunities. You know what I mean? Just to be like, like I said, I've written nine TV pilots, two I was paid for, and the, the one was a comedy, and the producer hired me because I had written a similar comedy, the same kind of humor. So my spec, which was never gonna be made, no offense to it, I used to get a job which is an example of what your specs will do. They'll get you, you know, the job for the assignment because what else do they have to look at? Your pitch? Okay, pitch is, to sell a pitch is, you know, difficult, but um, they have to see something concrete. You can pitch until you, until you're blue in the face, but they're like, okay, I want to see, unless you've had something made, I want to see what kind of writing you do. Here it is. Oh, wow, it's exactly what I envision the comedy for my pilot, you got the job. So that's the reason I got the job, is because um, of the spec. Now what if I hadn't had a, a TV spec, and she said, oh, here's an opportunity for a job, the producer 
well, you can read one of my features, eh, it's not quite the same. I would have lost the job. You know what I mean? So you have to have your arsenal. You have to have your stuff. And the stuff has to be really good in the in a professional level, ready to go, because when somebody says, hey, do you have a blah, blah, blah? And you go, yes, I do. You know, even as an example, um, a few of us were talking about outlines um, earlier and how many outline their screenplays before they... Uh, all right, look at that. Very nice. <laughs> Almost, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Some, yeah, yeah. Some I do and some I don't. That's great. You know what I mean? They're all the time. Yeah, it all, yeah. Um, I, you know, I am a, a militant about saying do it now because you're training yourself for when you do get that job, when you do get that assignment job. You won't be like uh, a roach on its back going, I, uh, when they say, I want it in 30 days. Sure. How is that possible when you don't, at first they wouldn't let you like I say, every producer I've worked with on assignment either comes to me with a log line or they come to me with a one sheet and they say, um, we need you to do the treatment. Um, it's been, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I've done, I don't think I've done a project where they handed me a full treatment and they said right from that. It's always been, which I love because if I get to do the outline and treatment, it becomes more of my script, right? And more of the elements I get to put in there, and they go, "Yeah, I like that," you know, because not everything's thought out. I mean, especially when you're when you're given a one sheet, which is basically a one sheet of piece of paper, you know, they call it a one sheet, and um, you could write a script from one sheet, but it's very difficult because you know most one sheets you get are like Act One is this, and Act Two, and then there's the ending, and you're like, "What? <laughs> okay, <laughs> go." Um, and, and, you know, this is important because um, I think it was McKee, McKee or someone, you know, 75% of your work. And, I, you know, I wanted to get in the script. The outline, I say, is the story of the movie. It's so important to be your roadmap. You wouldn't build a house without the blueprints, right? And the script is the blueprint of the movie. So it's like a pre-blueprint. And there's beat sheets. There's step outline. I've done one that was 30 pages, a step outline. So I was joking. I said, add 60 pages, you got the movie. But the reason is, is because the director, it was a movie where you know we were shooting with cell phone footage and then it was a live, it was hard to explain, but then we would cut to surveillance. So you know all these technical things had to be in the script. They weren't just gonna think of it on the day of the movie, like, well, what should we shoot? You know. So that's why you know, uh, it was that extensive. But I was like, wow, that was the longest. But generally, the ones I'm required to do are about 10 pages, you know, um, and it's broken into acts. And I just, I write the story of the movie. And there's things in there. I, I don't really put pieces of dialogue you can, which is helpful because, you know, um, but if you train yourself now to start doing that, those of you who don't do outlines, um, no, I'm just saying. No, no. I'm just saying is that it's like training for a marathon. You wouldn't just say, "I'm going to run a marathon," and then when you're asked to run a marathon, you're like, "Oh, damn! I didn't really train." Um, and again, like I say, they require it because there's the network, there's a production company, there's the money people. They all want to see what's going on, and they look at the concept. They go, "Oh, it's great," but you got to execute that properly. That thing that they're saying is great has to be equally as great. You know what I mean? And you don't want to be um, on page 45 uh, going, huh, okay, now what happens next? And you haven't written your five pages today. And tomorrow now you're 10 pages behind. And now you're 15 pages. And it's just like, it's the worst place to be. And, and you shouldn't. Because you can work out all that crappy stuff in the outline that you don't want in the screenplay. 
and then I'll talk about the vomit draft as well, which I don't believe in a vomit draft. Um, deadlines, I think, is what separates the pro from the amateur. Uh, getting the job done, you set up your, your deadlines now as writers, you're training yourself again. You know, you don't have an open-ended, no matter what level of the business you're at, you don't have any time someone's paying you is not open-ended. Oh, I think, you know, it's raining. I, don't, I think I'll, I'll go do this today. You don't get your pages done? Okay, that's fine. But like I said, when it comes time to work professionally, that's your job. I say, say to writers, sometimes they work eight to 10 hours a day. Um, and they're like, oh, I said, yeah, but that's my job. That's all I do. So I better damn well be doing it, you know. So, you know, um, deadlines are, are important, um, like I said. And the hardest thing at first for me was to, you know, when you go writing spec and whatever you want to, to producing on um, producing on demand, being creative on demand. That was the hardest thing. My brother's a graphic designer, and he always told me that was hardest for him because, you know, you're in college or whatever, doing your thing, and then suddenly you get into a real world, and now you have to produce at a certain level on demand. And it takes a certain, ah, you know, I'm waiting for the muse, or I don't want to write today. No. You know, when, when I ink that contract and the check clears, <laughs> you got to work today. It's your job. And so if you're training yourself now with the mindset like that, you're training yourself. And so it's no big deal where it's like, uh, and I understand about the different, you know, issues in life and, and um, you may have children or, you know, but if you can keep to, like Raymond Chandler used to sit at his desk every day, regardless if anything happened or something happened, because it's that, that steady, that steady, that steady is what's going to do it, the discipline. WJ gives you about 10 weeks for a first draft. Sounds like a lot. Actually, it is a lot. I'd love 10 weeks. Um, three weeks for a reading period. You know, the producer has requirements too. So they just don't like, you, they don't give you a script to the producer and they go, okay, we'll see you in six months. That's holding you up. So they have reading requirements. Producers do as well. Um, there's, that's three weeks. Uh, four weeks for a second draft, shorter. Three weeks for them to read it and get back with notes. Two weeks for a polish. So that's 22 weeks just for a, a second draft in WGA. Now, the movies I write um, have, have shorter time periods like that, but um, same thing. Sometimes I'm given 30 days, which is no big deal. Like three, three pages a day is a luxury, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Five pages is okay. That's 20 days for a first draft. And then the last week, I can go over the script myself, you know, look at ticky-tack stuff and be confident and say, this is my first draft, actually it's my second, you know, whatever. Um, so that's why I say in first drafts, the vomit draft, this idea about just getting it down. Um, some people love and believe it. I just want to get it down on paper. Well, you go back and you find that 50% is crap. Why, why waste your time just getting it on paper? You won't have the problem if you outline, and you can deviate from the outline completely. And there's always, you always find good stuff in there. Once you start the characters, you two guys are in a scene together. Okay, I put that down. Now I still have to write the scene. And I can say what it's about, but there's always some information. Ah, oh my God. You know, once you're in that, once you're in that zone, great creative stuff happens. So people say, I don't want to be stifled by, you know, um, that. Um, so just to vomit it out. And again, as I say, you won't be given that chance to vomit a draft when you're working. You imagine me vomiting a first draft and handing it to my producer. He looks at it and goes, what the hell is this? And then starts to think about my question, my ability. And then maybe hire somebody else to, you know, 
come on board, which I've done to other projects, which have been eight drafts. So then they're like, this isn't working. And you're like, okay. And so you go in and, you know, you mix up the salad and say, well, take the cucumber out. That doesn't work. And this dressing's too much. And, you know, try to get in there and, and, and fix it. And if you can fix it um, and, and get that train back on the tracks, which is what they want to, to I'm trying to use these uh, analogies, to get the project back in order so they can make the movie, you become the savior. You're the writer who's actually saved the project, which is a good thing. And it's an ability to have, um, you know, because rewriting is, is, you know, it happens. People say, oh, how would you rewrite somebody else's script? Somebody has to. You know, I've, I've been rewritten. You'll, you'll get fired at some point. That's just what happens. And if you don't want to do it and, and say, well, you know, I, then that's okay too. But I'm just saying rewriting work is available and it also helps you. It makes you a better writer for your own projects because you can come to something without any attachment. You know, it's not, these are my babies. I, uh, I can't cut the, you're just looking at it, which is great, which a producer does. Cut this out. You don't need this. Boom. It's hard to do that with your own stuff but it's a lot easier with other people's projects. And you can start seeing structurally, and that's how you continue to learn. Um, quickly about format. Um, how many use Final Draft here at all? Okay, almost everybody, great. Um, there are other ones, that's fine. I'm not saying you know, anything about it. I'm just saying um, professionalism is also about format. I consult on scripts. I can tell from the title page where it says, Register, WGAW, copyrighted. You know, it's like, if you steal this, I'm going to come and, you know, kill your children. You're like, yeah, um, just put your name on it and your contact. You're, you know, professionals do their due diligence and they expect you to as well. So if somebody's really, I had a writing partner, we would say, we, we should be so lucky if someone stole our screenplay. We would make more money if they stole our screenplay than actually, you know, and ideas are everywhere, so try to prove that. I've been on a million pitch meetings, and the next morning, you know, think somebody comes, yeah, I have a great idea. Or a little, a little strand goes in here, and it comes out the net. Not that it's stealing. Everybody takes and takes from, you know, from, from everywhere. But to think that somebody's going to steal your script and put that on there, I'm like, okay, maybe, you know. So I turn to page one. I start to, ah, mm, blocks of text like this, you know, uh, you know all sorts of things that happen. Um, it, it's, it's the way I'm trying to say this, is the way the script reads will give you away. You know what I'm saying? And you, the readers know, you can't fool them. And, or if you have a script and you turn it in, it's 120 pages. You know, they're gonna have a stack of reads for the weekend and go, okay, what do I, oh, it's a script and a quarter. A script and a quarter of another script. That's 20, 20 you know, pages. Um, that's going to be like, ah, got to get through this behemoth. And they skim. Readers skim. Yeah, they skim. Um, so, so format is important until you make it. Like I said, um, I work with a producer who has no problem with uh, writing, uh, you know, with what's in people's heads or things like that. That's fine. So I become a chameleon. I, I transfer. But it's a protected bubble because it's in development. So I always say, be careful when you read... Um, the Academy scripts or the award-winning ones, because those are all written in a protected bubble. And so you're reading those, and I always say to writers, don't try to emulate that style, because they're getting away with things that you might not be get away with if it's a spec from an unknown writer. You understand? So I've read some, and if I said, if I was consulting on this thing, I would completely tear it apart. 
not saying that I'm some genius, but I would be like, they're breaking. There are rules, but there's also conventions that people follow because they read scripts all the time. And you break those, break them later. First know them before you break them, first of all. So that, that's my point about format. And also format's important to the read. Things are flipped. It's hard. Um, when I consult in scripts, I'm trying to read. I'm like, I don't understand that. So I'm in a protected bubble. I can go back and study it. A reader's not going to go back and study it. And if they have to study things three or four times, this is, a, this is hard to get through. I, it's, it, I don't understand. It's confusing. That's going to kill. And if you think that they're going to, after the end of that, go, you know, um, it, it wasn't well written, but the idea was amazing. There's a million amazing ideas out there. And even if they bought that script, they're going to fire you and have somebody else write it. So what's the point? You know what I mean? Put your best foot forward when it comes to that. Micromanaging um, kills your script. Um, you have to know what to put in and leave out, which I find when I'm consulting too. Too many things that are in there. Uh, we described the, the, the black piano with the three th steps on the bottom. Why is it even important that it's here? If the piano is important to the scene or the chandelier, you know, leave stuff out that's not important. There, there are people's jobs who, who, who that is to find that stuff. It's, if it's terribly important, write it. If it's not, do not. And um, about your characters, you know, uh, six feet tall with, uh, you know, ten fingers. Um, it's more of what the character is in the description, not so much the visual, because unless it's extremely important, you know what I mean? I mean you've read scripts and know that when you start to read, there's, there's, there's two sentences to describe someone. You're like, what, what do we, you know? <laughs> You're laughing because you know. Cut it down, not, you know, we're not, we're not talking about the past. So um, your script reads extremely important. Specs, um, hard to sell, like I said. You may write 10 before you sell the first or get, it was my fourth spec that made some noise. We got an A-list actor interested at the time. It was a big action movie, but the unfortunate, it was like an $80 million budget, you know, and so that was kind of like, huh. Uh, but my partner at the time, writing partner, was working for the biggest producer in Hollywood of action movies at the time. So we thought, well, we're in, right? Because he works for him, he drives him. So at a red light, he pitched him the idea and the producer goes, yeah, big, big budget, big movie. And that's the last we ever heard about it. Um, but we did go to CAA to meet the, the um, A-list actor's agent. Of course, we had no representation at the time, so we were bumbling through this. You know, with a script I look at now, and I'm like, yeah, it could have been a lot better. And if it was, we probably would, it probably would have been his choice um, to make. Um, so that, that, but then the fifth script, um, my fifth spec, took seven years to, to, from the time I wrote it to the time it was made. And um, it almost won the Nickel Fellowship, which was an important step because I was in the top 20. And that year, I think there was 3,500 scripts. Now it's up to 7,000 in Nickel. And so even not winning the fellowship, which I, I'm glad I didn't because the next year the script was optioned and then eventually made, um, you know, it was an accolade that I could use to tell agents, oh, I was in the top 1% of Nickel. I was, the, the, you know, they called me and said, we picked the nine but you were in the next 12. And I was like, oh my God. You know, they said, well, I hope you enter it next year, but I hope you don't, you know, because it, you're actually doing something with it. And luckily it did, but that was enough to get people interested and in saying, oh, but unfortunately it was a World War II movie with kids. And at the time we talk about marketplace and timing, um, nobody was making a movie like that. You know, I had an agent tell me once, uh, Disney's not even listening to a pitch. 
So I had a company wanted to do an outright buyout. Here's the money, see you later. And I'm glad I didn't take it because, you know, I was waiting tables at the time, like somebody's offering me money, I'll take it. Um, I didn't take it, which, which is, you know, the choices you make, you can only look back on later, but it was the right choice because it took a, a bit longer, maybe a few more years, but it found the right company, a brand new company that started and they embraced it and said, this is gonna be our first film that we make. We wanna make these type of movies. That would have never happened with that other company. And by the way, the agent who gave me that advice um, said, oh, and by the way, um, I'll broker the deal for you. The deal that I found and the company that wanted to buy it outright, you know, I was like, uh, no thanks, I'll, I'll handle this myself. I was like, thanks a lot. Um, so, you know, with your specs, you, you never know. But like I said, that opened the door with that company who was revving up production to be like, well now, and you know, you know specs are heavy lifting. I mean, it really is to come up with, you know, I have good ideas, we all do, but to come up with that idea, there's a million ideas out there. Ideas are, as they say, a dime a dozen, they are. So I at a party and they go, you right, don't you? I'm like, yeah. And they go, um, I guess great idea for a movie. And I always say, great, write it. And they go, no, but you're the writer. And I'm like, okay. Um, and so they, they pitch the idea and I'm like, huh. They said, well, you know, like it's, no offense, but it's like the most genius thing I've ever heard of. And so, well, do something with it. And I said, I'm a little busy. I got, you know, I said, why don't you take a crack at it? Because they don't like the idea enough. If they like the idea enough, they would write it themselves. I mean, you know, or if they're not a writer, they're pitching out ideas as if, you know, I mean, I don't know, it's, uh, it's interesting. That's why you think, you have to think of it as calling cards because, um, you know, under, less than 100 specs a year sell. So, I mean, at, at the studio level. And I don't say all those numbers. And what, 50,000 uh, scripts are registered with the Guild. And I always bring those numbers up not to scare anyone to say, you know, bash my dream. No, but respect it. You know, respect the mountain that you climb every single day, you know, that we all do as writers, trying to claw and, and stay and, and gain ground and lose ground. You know, that's why I say it's staying in the game. That's the hardest thing, you know, making it. I think when you get your next job, you make it. But there's more pressure when you write your spec. There's no pressure. You know, if you have your day job or whatever, you're, you're writing your, your material, and that's great. But once you sell something, now there's the pressure to do it again, right? And will it happen again? That's the biggest fear. It, it may not happen quickly. I had a friend whose friend sold a big movie. It was a $40 million budget. All actors you would know, he never worked for five years. And so, you know, I mean, you're like, well, that money doesn't last that long. So my point is, um, yeah, you never know about the specs. Um, so uh, patience is another important virtue. Uh, never get your script out, as you know, before it's ready. Never, never, because it's going to harm the project and it's going to harm the image of you as a writer. And it seems, it seems like it would be logical, like, oh, of course, I, I wouldn't do that. But I tell you, uh, people have given me their, their scripts and then a week later they say, oh, I hope you didn't read it. And those of you who are laughing, you know, because you may or may not have done this. Um, I did this early on and learned it's unprofessional. Uh, I hope you didn't read it. Why not? Because I have a new draft. Then why did you give me this draft? Because it wasn't quite done yet. Well, when you are done with it, don't give it to people. I mean, give it to people only when you're done with it because some people have started reading it. Or like me, I get right to it because... You know, I like to have integrity. You know, you build that by saying, 
I don't add, that's why I say no, because I have, I have my own work, I have, you know, all the stuff, and then the remainder of my life that's left. You know what I mean? And so when people say, will you read my script? And if I say no, uh, I'm just too busy. And I'm being honest, and you should appreciate that, because most people in this business want credit uh, for their good intentions. And you've had this, and I've had this, where they say, oh, give me your script. And then six weeks later, you feel like an ass. Uh, did you read it? Oh, I, you know, I've just been swamped. Then why did you say you would read the script? Just say no. See, nobody likes to say no. They want credit for saying, I told you that I'd, I'd read it. I want the credit for that. But it's the follow-through that's the problem. So if you, this is how you build your integrity too, with just anybody. If you say, I'm going to read your script, if to somebody, do it. Absolutely do it. And then people will know you as a person of your word. And that's extremely important when people start to hire you is that they want to know that you're going to meet the deadline, that you're going to, you know, I'm blessed that I work with producers now that I've worked with enough that they just call me and say, which happened last week, which is, you know, a blessed place to be, where they say, I have three projects that are, that are okay, greenlit. Does, does any one of them appeal to you? Uh, yeah, pick one, okay. Okay, I remember the days when, you know, I'd be the person calling, did you read, uh, you know, and they go six months later, I'm sorry we didn't get or can't get through the assistant, you know what I mean? So, um, but that's building the relationship, which I'll talk about later, it's extremely important, and the integrity to know that I deliver, I deliver early, and they don't have to worry about it, because when they're busy doing their thing, they don't want to have to go, uh, you know, uh, I had one contract that said they want to see every 10 pages. I was like, no, I, I don't work like that. You hired me to write the script. I will write it. It'll be ready when we agreed to in the contract. That's it. But I'm not turning in 10 pages to be running on a treadmill to be writing. It's not going to happen. And so, um, but once you deliver, you just do it one time, then it's like, oh, wow. And then you work twice or three or four, then people start to know your, your integrity and, and that's what they want because there's a lot of money at stake. So we talked about never giving your script out. Um, detach for survival. I think it's important because you can't live or die by every line of dialogue or scene um, and it's not worth losing a job for. You know, defend when you have to. I, I was having this conversation recently. Um, you don't want to be a troublesome writer that even has a whiff of um, being difficult because once you're branded difficult, that's hard stench to get off. I mean, truly. Um, that doesn't mean you can't defend what you think needs defending. I tell the story that I worked with a producer and then he was off on another project and we worked closely on the script and he handed me over to the executive producer who I never worked with and they were in another country. So we did a Skype call and suddenly they started picking apart um, the ending of the movie and I was like, oh no, no, no. And I was there, I was the only last line of defense because if no one had stepped up to say anything, these were big changes which I thought honestly were not right. And so I, you know, I said, you know what? I said my piece. And if you say your piece, make sure you back it up with real details, not just, well, I felt this way. You have to have concrete, like, here's why I'm going to convince you that what you're thinking is not the way to go. And so I said my spiel and um, had my piece, and then there was a silence. And I was like, oh, damn. And the executive producer then said, okay, all right, that's fine, moving on. I was like, whew, all right. You know, we got that, that battle over with, but I wasn't going to do it twice. You know, um, I was, and I, and they do appreciate that you're just not, 
you know, a, a, a typist or a scribe or whatever that you're just going to be. You have to, you know, you know, I wrote the movie, you know, I mean, you're changing stuff that maybe on a whim would just be like, oh, we thought of this other, no, wait a second, oh, X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 you know. So I think they appreciate that to a certain point because you're a collaborator, you know, not just a robot where you just, you know, in fact, then just have a machine write the script, which I sure someday they'll figure out. Um, <laughs> um, so you also have to, um, when you start working, executing notes is extremely important. And you get that a little when you write your specs from your like writer's groups or people who read it or, or consultants, but it's a whole different ball game when you're giving, uh, you're, you're getting notes from producers. And many times producers don't know how to talk with writers and you expect them to, to do that. But I've worked with some that just don't have that shorthand or they, they talk in broad strokes and you're trying to get them down to like, understand what without acting like you don't know what you're doing or you're asking too many questions you know the famous funny line is uh the note i got is you know the the uh, emotional highs and lows have to be higher and lower <laughs> okay all right good do you validate parking <laughs> it's like what page what are we talking about every single emotional high and low that's sort of like a broad stroke where you go well um what are we talking about here you know uh, and other producers I worked with are, you know, you get your, your notes and it's page 13, blah, blah, blah. And you just go through the checklist and start making the changes. And hopefully they're not a lot of changes. Um, but executing notes is another important thing when you start working. Um, and it's just, it's just from doing, but it's listening. And, and when you work with anybody you know, first time, you have to see their style. You know, producers done a hundred credits, you know, you're working with, they have, you got to almost really play catch up. Um, and uh, if you don't, you don't, you don't want to be seen as, I mean, when you're ushered through the door, maybe you could ask an assistant, but you got to nail that down in the room if you're, if you're having a meeting with them about a notes meeting and really know and then listen to who has the authority to give you notes because I've had assistants sit there and go, hey, you know what? I've got a great idea. And I'm like, huh? And I'm like, hmm. And, you know, they want to make themselves look good in front of the producer, which I understand. But I'm like, yeah, okay. And I write the note down. I'm like, that's really um, not going to happen. You know, I, I'll listen to it, but, you know. Um, yeah, I was going to say, so I've got notes and I didn't really agree with them. Mm -hmm. So you have to go to bat for that and just say, no, this is not, you know, you know I don't agree with what. To a certain point. Yeah. Um, it all depends on how, how, how much willing, you're willing to fight and how much willing, they're willing to go, eh, this is, too, this is too hard. We want it to be easy. Right. But if you really believe in it, then go for it. You know what I mean? But you're going to get notes from everybody. You know, you give a script to anybody in the room. Everybody's going to have a different opinion about it, a different take. Now, if five people have the same opinion, you'd be like, huh, okay, well, maybe I should make this change. But if everybody's going to, and the notes I like the best are not the ones, well, I do it this way. It's like, this doesn't work. I see what you're trying to do. And that's what I try to do when I, in my consulting. I don't say I would do it this way. I would say, oh, you're almost close. If you just did this, then I, I'm not trying to change it. But you know what I mean? I'm trying to help what you've already created that might, you might have missed a little bit, you know, or something that just doesn't work. And here's the reason why it doesn't work. Um, but uh, hopefully, again, solid outline, working with people before, it becomes a faster process, believe me, 
in some recent films that it's been a really fast process. And I think um, it's, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but it's, it's because of the collaboration that's key. If you don't like to collaborate or you don't like criticism, don't type fade in. Really wrong business to be in. If you, you write a novel, because then it's exactly the way, you know, what you want. But you're working with other creative people and money that's not yours or theirs and, you know, a lot of different factors. So um, not to say you can't do good stuff, you know, but uh, and then uh, chasing notes. You can chase your tail forever. I've done that before. You're like, you got a thing? Oh, yeah, you're right. But you got to, ah. And, you, and then you dilute it so much that you don't even know anymore what you want or what, I don't know what to believe. That's the worst place to be because then, you, then you're totally lost. The best place to be is what I call where, you, where you're written out, where you're like, good night, folks. That's it. And you're so totally confident and you're like, this has been through the mill, the ringer, and I will stand by this, live or die by this script and send it out, come what may. That's a great place. And I've been there before with specs where you've worked on it so much, taken input, and you real feel confident about it. Um, and then who knows even then. But it doesn't matter because it's what your feeling is and that'll, that'll show that confidence. And then you go, oh, okay. And then once they buy it, then they can you know, shred it and tear it apart and you know, after the fact. We'll take a break in a few minutes. Oh, we're good here. Adapt. I had to become a faster writer, like I said, um, because the job's offer, offered to me. I could have said no to, but you have to adapt. You know what I mean? You know, and I, I wasn't say I wasn't a fast writer, but I had to become a faster writer and also write at a particular level fast. And like I said, the hardest thing when I first started was to be able to uh, produce on demand, which is what it's about when you're hired. This is not playing around and you go, well, it's Saturday. I think, ah, you know, I'll go to the beach, you know. That's fine. As long as you can do your quota of pages the next day, go to the beach, have fun, have at it, you know. But when it's time to work, it's work. So and I, I admit, I was, um, when I hung up that phone, I was like, what did I just do? What I did is kick myself in the ass to be, you know, to push myself out of my comfort zone, which is extremely important. That's how you grow as a writer. You don't grow by staying, you know, safe or doing your same thing over again, you gotta go, I may fall on my face and I may not, you know, I wasn't gonna not meet the deadline, but I wanted to meet the deadline with, with something that was great. You know, something that was like, I could say, here it is. And they go, oh man, okay. And they go, and by the way, we have another thing. Oh, you have, you know, and another one. You know, that's, that's how you become a working writer is, is not just one sale, but that next one. And then becomes, like I said, the pressure of having to do it again and then again, and again, and again, and again, you know. And, um, and there are dry periods as well. Like I said, I'll tell the story about going to the law firm. That's the hardest thing. Once you're in the business, and then you go back to something that you don't want to do, and then you're there going, oh, it really can mess with your head um, as, if you allow it. Um, so I said about all these, these crazy numbers with the scripts, uh, you know, 50,000 registered at the Guild every year. Um, you know, that's why... You have to have multiple projects in the marketplace, I think, at all times. So you have one script out there. This is working. That one is over at this company. Good stuff, I mean, not just... But the more horses you have in the race, one of them is going to, you know, maybe come in third. But at some one point, it's going to come in, you know, first. And something's going to happen. And then... I found it comes in waves. Either it's dry spell and then, oh my gosh, there's so much work. And then, uh, or it's just, you know, it, it, it comes and goes. You don't know it. But, but the more projects you have out there, 
um, the more opportunities you create because every script you write is another opportunity that you're creating, you know, to showcase your talent, to showcase the project. Like I said, don't expect it to sell, but it might, but what, it, what doors that it can open and what job a door can open, like I said, with that, with that rewrite job, what doors think bigger, you know, not that you don't, I'm just saying from my experience, I used to think smaller and then I realized I had to think bigger, you know, to open it up more because, because um, there's a million people out here doing the same thing and not here, just around the world. I think I read a statistic, two million people writing screenplays in the world or some crazy, you know, some number. But who cares about the numbers, right? Who cares about the numbers? Forget the numbers. Um, so, uh, and then lastly, before the break, I say if you can find a mentor or, or an apprentice, that's great. I've been lucky that um, directors I've worked with, you know, I've, I've written the script with the company and they say, now we have the director coming on board. And then I do notes, so they're showing, I'm showing them how I can work with them and they start to get to know me, now they become a friend and a mentor. And then we separate because they, they've made the film that I wrote. And then they go, hey, you know, I've got this idea we want to work on. So then we now have our own things from that one project has spawned a mentor or, you know, and then also an equal collaborator. So um, it's a fantastic learning experience. Um, you know, sometimes writers, um, you know, pay for assistance. And so it's a good way to, to be go, going to meetings. Um, one time a director who was a writer wanted to hire me as his assistant. Actually, he worked in the, I worked in a restaurant. He, his office was upstairs. So he'd come down and we'd you know, chit chat and he'd say, oh, I wanna give you a job. It never happened, but he hated to sit at the keyboard. You know, he didn't, he, they didn't like to write that way. He liked to walk around. So I would be the guy at the keyboard. And then I would go into meetings with him. And I mean, imagine having that inside, um, you know, information that you, that you don't normally get and get paid for it. So, I mean, th that's a good way too. And then also, when you finish your script, you can hand it to your mentor. Say, hey, can you take a look at this, you know? The mentor goes, oh, it's great, you know, or things that you just learn. You know, that mentorship kind of thing, I don't know if it's a thing in the past, but I, I know it, it happened more in the past and it's harder to find, but the mentors I've had have been people that I've been blessed to work with. And then we've had friendships, you know, along the way as um, collaborators. Um, so you get to see a business from the inside. So that uh, is basically it for that section. Uh, we take a little break, five minute break, and uh, come back and talk about quickly the uh, screenwriter's life, writing partners, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. Okay, going back to screenwriter's life, your talent is extremely important, but it's not the only thing that's gonna get you your break, you know, it's timing also. And uh, like I said, I wrote a script, uh, my first, my fifth spec, my first one that I sold, the timing was all off because Hollywood was not making that type of movie, that particular historical genre film, except one company years later was, but I didn't give up, but I didn't just stop with that script. You know what I'm saying? You know, I continued to write other specs. Um, and, and it, almost winning the Nickel Fellowship kind of helped um, to open some doors. So, you know, I say the, the way that that happened was my girlfriend at the time's friend was an assistant. And this is important to befriend assistants because they're not always going to be assistants. And they're looking at the Rolodex of the boss to go on to be a producer if the boss is a producer, right? So uh, the assistant said, I like Mark's script. I want to do something with it. And here I was like, of course. But 
she couldn't do something with it. And so her friend had the same idea and took the script and he could do something with it. He got it to his boss and they were about to make a brand new company. And so the boss said that, and every assistant wants to bring in a good project to their boss, right? And he said, that's the kind of uh, script that we want to make. And at first they didn't want to option it. They said, well, make some changes and we might. I always love, love we might. I said, no, um, I, I don't need to sell this thing. And that's the thing, you can't be desperate. You know, a lot of writers are hanging on desperate. I got to sell this script because I got to, if you're trying to sell a script to make your rent or a house payment, you're insane. I mean, I mean, and trust me, I've tried, I've been there uh, years ago, but you can't think that way because I'm telling you seven years and that's not every spec is that, that, in that way. But I use it as an example that every script you write as a spec is going to have its own journey and it's going to take its own time. And sometimes even if it is, you know, purchased and made, um, it's a step deal. So like I said, you know, um, you're going to get, when you read about the million dollar sale, no one hands the writer a million dollars. That movie still has to be made. You know, it's a step deal. It's steps. Here's the, for, here's the start. Here's for the first draft. Here's for the rewrite. Step, step, step. As the, as the money gets smaller and smaller. And so, like I mentioned, those five scripts of mine that are on the shelf, um, that's money on the table because those bonuses are not ever going to be seen. I mean, you know, we hope, but you know, some of them were written years ago. And like I said, one, one actually might be made, um, but you don't get the bonus till the movie goes into production. So a lot of times writers who don't, aspiring writers don't understand how the payments are, are doled out, you know. And when they are doled out, it's important for you to be able to live, you know, within your means. And that's an important thing too. If you get a good chunk of money, um, just don't go out and blow it. Like it's going to be coming all the time. You know what I mean? So I, I, I say that, live within your means. And I think it's a good idea anyway, but um, especially when you don't know. Now, if you're on a TV show and you're locked in to do, you know, 13 episodes, you know where your money's coming from. But even when you sell a, a script, you don't know that you're going to get that second the opportunity for that second draft. And you may be fired and then have to share the credit. And now you're looking for another job. Definitely not with the producer who fired you. And not with now word has gotten around that you were let go, you know what I mean? It's like, so live within your means. Um, like I said, every script's a new opportunity. Always go above and beyond the call of duty. You know, even when you think, ah, this first job's not for a lot of money. Treat every job, it's the way I do with, no matter, I did, did crazy odd jobs. I delivered pizza, I waited tables, I cleaned apartments, all, all odd jobs. I did the, the best to my ability for each job because that's the way I, yeah, that's the way I can do it. And so what I'm saying is your first jobs might not be for a lot of money or might not be what you expected. You might be throwing a rewrite for very little money and go, eh, be blessed, be thankful, be grateful, because you never know that's your opportunity to knock it out of the park. And, and now you're in working and you've solidified that relationship. They're going to remember, you know. Um, I spoke to one writer I ran into and I ran into him in the circles and he always said, oh, I'd never share credit with anybody. He was like, I said, really? I told him that I had this opportunity for a rewrite job and you know, if I had come on board, I'd share credit because I was changing enough of the script and his ego just basically said he'd never share credit with anybody. I said, okay, that's fine. That's, that's your choice. Just know that um, when you start to say no enough, uh, there are other people who would do the job and, and have the opportunity. And so, um, 
you know, everybody has their own thing. If you want to hold out for the thing, that's okay. Um, take, your res take responsibility for your choice as a screenwriter, um, as an artist, you know, because no one forced any of us to do this. You know, when I was 11 years old, no one put a gun to my head and said, you're going to be, you know, damn you, you're going to be a filmmaker. <laughs> now, uh, I was blessed to have parents who um, were creative types but never got to do it for a living. And so they told my brother and I always go for your dreams. And I never, I always say, I never put an expiration date on my dreams. And that's good and bad because you can drag it out to be like, wow, I don't see any success and it's been 20 years. Or, you know, everybody has their breaking point and you have to find that and you only will find that um, by being in it for a number of years and, and taking a lot of blows and successes. And as I always say, you know, um, cherish the little successes along the way. If an agent reads your script or, you know, you may not think it doesn't always have to be the big giant thing because all those little things add up and before you know it, suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, I got a job and now I have another job and I cultivated that into this. And so these little successes, it's not like what I used to think, I, maybe some of you do, like overnight your life will change. You'll sell something overnight. My gosh, you know, food will taste better. Um, you know, the air will smell better. You still have the same problems as a human being. You still have the same things. And yeah, you may have, but you're just getting to um, live your dream, you know, which has always been my goal is to like, you know, wake up in the morning and do what I love for, for a living. I mean, it's the greatest kick in the world. And to finally get to a point where, and uh, I still get nervous with a new project. Of course I do. I don't take it for granted. You know what I mean? Um, because I, I had parents who didn't like their jobs. You know, and mo like I said before, most people work for the weekend and I didn't want to have a life like that, even though it's been a struggle, it's been hard and difficult. But like I said, staying in the game. You know, I've had friends who are actors who, yeah, I want to be an actor, you know, I'd love to, you know, and then they didn't study or they didn't continue doing their thing. Or like us writers, they didn't continue to write. You know, shame on you if you're not writing, absolutely. Because there are people out there right now while we're here who are banging away writing as, as harder than you'll ever imagine because they want it more. And that's okay, because somebody's gonna go out and live their dream, right? But why not, why not you, why not us, right? So, I, uh, I don't know, getting up in the morning and doing that is, is what my parents always wanted, and they knew that um, there would be no guarantees, and it's tough in a business where there are no guarantees even after you sell something, like I said, even if you, when you're paid to write something, no guarantee. Um, but you put it out there, you know, so that's why I'm saying in the concept of the bigger picture, what screenplay you're writing now is going to affect your time, which you don't get back. It's your most priceless, precious commodity is your time. And that's why when you're writing, you have to protect your writing schedule from distraction and procrastination. Procrastination usually comes from fear and like, oh, well, you know, this is, seems hard and I'll just go for, I'll go see a movie. You know. Um, not good, maybe good, and maybe you'll get an idea from that, but you do that for two days or three, and now the project's in a drawer. And like I said, I've had the day job for two years, but you have to be a master once you're working to, to set up your own schedule and your own life, which is difficult because when you have all this free time, it's not free, um, you're burning it, but also if you have a deadline, you gotta learn how to juggle your time well. And that's the first thing they had to learn, like, oh my gosh, now I don't have to punch it. Well, I kind of do have to punch a time clock because I got to sit down and write, 
but maybe it could be at 10 this morning, or maybe it could be pushed till, till noon, and I'll write till 8 p.m., as long as the work's done. You know what I mean? Um, like I said before, don't push yourself out if you're not ready. Take chances. No gain, but be smart. Don't be stupid about it. You know what I mean? Um, set up a master plan and stick to it, but change and adapt when necessary. Like I say, keep an eye on the bigger picture. Keep reevaluating where you're at because time goes by so fast. And in Hollywood, it's Hollywood's time. Nothing ever, ever, ever is going to happen as fast as you or I want it. A simple contract, trust me, can go back and forth for three or four weeks. And you're like, I got to get that check. I got to get paid. Well, okay, the lawyer now is on vacation and there was a holiday they threw in. And, you know, things take time. I mean, it's not like overnight someone calls, start to work, you know. Um, so you have to be aware, aware of that um, as well. Um, networking, absolutely vital. Um, the final draft has uh, get-togethers in town. Uh, Scriptwriters Network is a good organization to um, join. They have free, I did a, a speaking engagement in November last year. Um, if you're a member, the speaking engagements are free. If not, they're like $30. Um, ISA, International uh, Screenwriters Association, that's another good one. And Stage 32, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, very good networking from people all over the globe. Uh, so networking is vital. And like I said, assistants are great if you happen to know because they're not going to want to be assistants forever. And uh, every assistant wants to bring their boss a terrific piece of material. And that could be yours, hopefully, like it was with mine. Not that it was terrific, but, you know. Be a good contact. This is important. It's not about take, take, take. Give, give, give. And people remember. Absolutely they remember. The people I've done things for um, years later go, hey, remember, you know, when you did that thing? It was no big thing. It was a big thing. One phone call can change something, you know. And it's just about being, now you have to do it to the right people. You wouldn't suggest someone who's not going to deliver, the, you know, the goods. I've had people refer me to others, but they did only because they knew that they could trust me because that reflects back on them. You know what I'm saying? So you only want to refer to someone who you really trust. Um, and I've done that before as well because I knew the person was solid and it wasn't going to burn me. Say, ah, oh, that person you sent me really, you know, messed up the works. Really? I'm sorry. I can't send them another person, right? Because they start to, they start to question my, you know, ability. Um, Keep your creative well full, which means living an authentic life outside your comfort zone. And so, like I said, when I, had, when I was forced to be a faster writer, it was time. You know, maybe I was resting on my like, well, I can just, you know. Now, would I have done it before then? Probably not, but you don't know when you're going down this, this journey what, what you're going to be forced into and what you take and say, yeah, I did it. And now you have that confidence to do that. But your creative well means living an authentic and interesting life. It means traveling. It means interacting with people. It doesn't mean just sitting in your room uh, making stuff up, which you have to. That's our job as writers. But your interesting stuff in your life is research. I mean, how great is that, that our jobs are to live interesting lives, you know, because that's what we put in, in our stuff. It makes it authentic, not, not regurgitated stuff that you've seen before on the screen that comes out as cliched and inauthentic because you're just perpetuating another cliche that goes on and on rather than saying this actually happened to me and somehow you work that into your character that makes it interesting and different you know and I think that's 
that's our job to do that um, and how fun, you know what I mean? You can say, I'm not sure you can write off your trip to uh, Rome just because you say, well, you know, I was doing research on uh, Italy, uh, but you know what I mean. Read books, scripts, blogs, watch and study films. I think many of you have seen the film Courage videos, um, but that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? I'm always reading and looking and finding a new article, um, always learning. I learn on every screenplay, even after 36, every screenplay I learn something new. I learn um, how to work with somebody new, always learning. And I, you know, Hemingway said, we're all, we're all um, what is it? We're, we're in a craft where no one ever becomes a master, I think was his quote. And it was like, wow, because you listen to a jazz musician who's 80 and says, I'm still learning. It's like, yeah, you're right. This is an ongoing process. It's not just like, well, I know everything. I'm done. Okay, great. You don't. Um, and if you do think that way, you're going to be humbled uh, quite quickly um, and keep hitting that wall of like, why am I not getting something over the wall? You know, and so be, be cognizant of, of, you know, all these things. Read what's going on in the trades. If you have people in the business, it's really important to have the inside ear. And that helps when you're writing <laughs> something that's already out there. Uh, I call it the specter of similar ideas. I don't know if this happened to you, but you're writing a spec and you finish it and go, yay. And then you learn that there already is a spec out there and it's with people who are established. And now whose idea do you think is going to sell? That happened to my writing partner and I, um, we wrote a spec and um, we found out that an A-list actor was always interested in playing this character. And it was a real life character, D.B. Cooper, who hijacked an airplane in 1971. And so, um, yeah, it was a news article, okay, but we wrote a script and we're gonna go out with a big push and we found out that this A-list actor already had a project set up and he always wanted to play D.B. Cooper. And we were just like, oh, are you kidding me? Um, better to find that out before we spent six months on the script, right? But, okay, learning experience, but, you know, would I rather spent six months writing something else that was more viable? Sure. But you get crushed many times by the similar ideas or similar projects. We already have, or they say, we already have something like that in development. And you're like, well, it's not exactly the same. Yeah, but um, it has a drone in it. Right, but ours is not about drones, you know? Sometimes there's very short-sightedness where it's like, we already have something similar. And you're like, it's not similar, but you can't say that. You can't try to convince them, Has you know? Has the story ever been told, the D.B. Cooper story? As an adult? Has it ever been made into a Oh, movie? yeah, there was one called The Search for D.B. Cooper, I think. And they, the one with this particular actor, no, he never, he never did. Um, and we never did, obviously, either. Um, script contests, anybody enter contests? Which ones? Um, script pipeline? Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, with three different scripts. Oh, okay, fantastic. Yeah. So it's... So, and some of the big ones were America's Best and uh, Script of Loser. Oh, Script of Loser, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then... Uh, um, I'm semi-finalist in Screenplay Festival right now, and then I won a true spec with Script of Loser. Okay. Yeah. Now, anything come from that? I've optioned two scripts. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. It's good to hear. Okay. At different times with different producers and everybody. Anything come from... Uh, yeah. Um, the contests are good. Like I said, Nickel is a top one and, you know, not winning it actually was a better thing because the film was made. But um, if you can place in one of the high ones, like, like Final Draft, Big Break, uh, uh, Screen Craft, Script of Palooza, um, Page, you know, the big ones. When you start getting into the smaller ones, like 
you know, Joe's uh, potato, couch potato, not to bash them, but it really doesn't matter if you win that because you're going to bring that and they go, what is that again? You, you have to really, you know, and there's a million contests out now. Everybody's got a contest. Rhode Island thing, this thing, and you have to read the fine print because many of these contests, not many, but some are actually, if you win, they own the rights to your screenplay. So you have to really be careful about, you know, just throwing your 75 bucks away. Um, you know, I would say the top five ones, pick those and, you know, stick with those. But again, a, I, I know this writer and he keeps every year sending, and he can't get past the thing. And I'm like, well, why do you keep trying? After four times, you can't get past the thing because he thinks the next one's going to be it. And I'm like, okay, you're spending your money. And even a friend of mine placed third in one of the big contests and he got two meetings and that was it. So it's not... Contests have to be looked at as another tool, but just because you win doesn't mean, you know, some of them, you are the toast of the town. They parade you around and, and that's great. But um, I, I would say, I mean, and it is a good way, but just be careful of all the other ones where you can waste your money and it doesn't really mean if you win, yay, it went $250 to the Joe's couch potato thing. Great. So you show that to an agent, he's like, I don't even know what this is. I mean, no offense to it, but the big ones are going to matter because they're going to take you in their tutelage and make make noise for you. You know what I mean? Um, what were the big ones that you mentioned again? Uh, Final Draft, yeah. Page, Page Nickel, um, Austin, Scriptapalooza, um, Script Pipeline, Screen Screencraft has a lot of different genre ones. Yeah, they've grown immensely. I know John who started that back in, before they were, now they're like going to China and having huge things, it's great. Um, so production savvy screenwriter, I have a movie shooting this weekend starting very blessed and I will be going to the set during when they shoot it because it's always fun and it's a great experience and it's, it's a chance to always learn because when you're stuck in your bubble, you got to learn the real production realities if you're going to stay on through the end, which is extremely important to stay on through the end. You don't want to be the writer on the second draft. They go, see you later. And then, you know, you want to be through the end, through development and end up being the one and and you know that's if you're doing the the right work and properly up to a level you will stay on um and i've been the one who's come in on the second one and been the person um but it's it's a great experience because you really see the, the the down and dirty laboratory live shooting of a movie which is a lot different because the things you're envisioning you may not have the set that they go out to figure you know, and go location scouting, this and that, and just the realities of the compromise that have to be done. You know what I mean? Where you just don't have unlimited amount of time and unlimited money. And, um, you know, uh, I was on the set doing rewrites, but I was also in the movie because the director wanted me there. So I got to go to Hawaii and uh, spend two weeks there. And that was great because I was on the set and I'd only worked two days as an actor with the leads, which is fantastic. But the director said, I want you there, so I'm gonna put you in the movie as an actor, and they'll pay your way as the actor. And I go, great, two weeks in Hawaii, not a bad gig, right? So I'm on the set, and I've got four scenes with the leads who are like, you know, I've done some acting, but these are actors who've had shows and movies, and they know their, you know, their proper light. And it was, it was you know, nerve-wracking, but it was amazing, you know. And during the scene, the director was in the video village, so he, they couldn't hear him, so he said, get out there and, and take the sides and run the thing. And so I went in and I was reading the script that I read 
and he cut, he yelled action, and my voice was the voice of the PA system. And when I re, when I said, okay, now, the whole room erupted. It was in a submarine. And so it was amazing as a writer to sit there and as if you were all actors, like, okay, now the depth charge hits, boom, everybody freaks out. And I go, okay, another boom, you know. And it was amazing because, and that director, again, us working together, now a mentor, and, you know, these are kind of things. Those are the great um, high points that you work for. And then there's also many, it takes years to get to those those points. So like I said, it's vital to be the writer who sees the project to the end because your personality is also important. People, if you're in a TV uh, room, they want to know that you're not some crazy person that they can't work with for six weeks or, you know, six months or on a feature, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. Have a great personality. Be someone that, you know, you and be a collaborator. That's what it's all about is, is collaboration, give and take, good ideas. Some of the best lines in one of my movies, the, the lead actor, Academy Award nominee, always gets the biggest laugh. He thought of that on the set. And people always turn to me and go, that's it, it, it. And I go, no, it's him. I'm totally giving him the credit. But I created the scene. So it's not about you did, I did. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's a collaborative thing. And, and if you don't want to collaborate, again, um, it might not be the best kind of business to be in. Um, we talk about meetings, uh, you know, general meeting, pitch meeting. Have you anyone been on pitch meetings? Yeah, they're um, nerve wracking, you know, and um, usually you do the round robin where you pitch, 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 uh, especially if you have an agent, then they send out your spec. When I had a writing partner, um, our agent sent the spec out to 40 companies on Wednesday, and Friday we were supposed to have the phone ring off the hook, you know, for the big sale. Well, Friday the phone didn't ring. And so Monday becomes very, you know, well, um, you got some meetings, okay, but it didn't sell. So now that script is a doorstopper. You know, it's like, that's dead. So you go out to the round robin meetings with some good people, executives and whatnot, vice president, whatever. And they go, well, we really like that script. What else do you have? And you're supposed to do, you know, the tap dance and spin the plates again and pitch them something else. Or more importantly, have something not there, but say, I have this other project, which is kind of similar. Oh, great. Send it over. What you don't want is not to have that other project. Where are you going to, where are we going to hear from you? Six months? You know, they're going to forget all about you at that point. So you want to, that's why I say you got to have those projects ready to go um, when you do that pitch, because that's how it works. You go out, you have the general meeting or the pitch meeting. They say, what else you got? Here I, and you keep, and then when that doesn't go through, you pull back, you write something else and then go around again. And hopefully one of those times they say, hey, we have something on a shelf we need rewritten. Or they say, we want, you're perfect. They always would say to my writing partner at the time, say, you guys have the perfect tone for this kind of movie. You know, and that was important too, the tone of the movies that we wrote back to what genre do you write? Um, and has anyone written scripts with partners? One script or like have a writing partner? Yeah. <laughs> Now, writing partner, I've only had one. Uh, no, I've had a few in my life. Actually, I have three different writing partners. Yeah, so it's like, a, it's like a marriage. You know, it's a business and a creative relationship. And you have to be on the same page. You can't be like George Costanza. You know, he says, we're not taking it. It was just on the other night. He says, and we're done. And he walks out. He goes, I'm so sorry about him. You know, imagine that happening. Yeah. It's a show about nothing. It's not about nothing, you know. Um, 
my writing partner and I, we're, we're, we're two Leos, so you think we would like, there wouldn't be enough room in the room for us, but it wasn't the case because we know our strengths and weaknesses. And I let him be the P.T. Barnum showman, and I was the one who was grounded and knew who we were meeting with. I could say, you know, in the movie that, you know, research their credits, which is always important and respectful when you go to a meeting, know who you're meeting with. Look them up because they might look you up. I was at a meeting recently, and they had already looked me up if I was referred, and the director there was looking me up on the table. And I said, I think I know your credit. And he brought up his 100 credits. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. You know, I'm sorry. I didn't look. I didn't know you were going to come at the meeting. I didn't, you know. But um, know who you're meeting with. It's respectful. And also, it's a good thing to be able to talk about cinema and film because if you can't talk about movies, they're like, what are you even doing here? You know, did, did, is it some fluke that you got the script through and we bought it, but you're not staying on because you can't, you know, execute the notes, like I said? So, um, and there's the development meeting and, of course, the pitch meeting, which um, is always nerve-wracking. I did my best pitch meeting ever at a big company. This was a few years ago, and it was an out-of-body experience because it was so good. And I, and I was like I was sitting next to myself going, who is this guy? <laughs> I mean, I was on fire. I mean, couldn't they were asking the right questions. It was just it was amazing. And after it was over, they were never going to buy it. But uh, they, I didn't embarrass myself. I said, thank you very much. I left. I called my manager, and she was like, oh, I wish I'd been there with you. It was so exciting. I go, it was. It was truly one of those. And before the meeting, they made me wait in the lobby for like 20 minutes. And um, it was nerve-wracking because it really puts you off, you know, spins you around. Um, so act like a pro always. Be early. And also uh, send a handwritten note after your meetings. This is extremely important because nobody does this. It's old school. Don't send an email going, thanks. Write a handwritten note. And, and I learned that the assistants put the handwritten ones on the top mail. So your note's going to get there. And a week later, they're going to open it up and go, huh, you know, I remember Brandick, you know, and just put you right in their mind again, saying, hey, thank you very much. Not like, you know, with a $20 bill or something there, you know. <laughs> but just like, hey, thank you for the meeting, for taking your time. I appreciate it. And I hope, you know, to see you again soon. That's it. No gushing, you know, craziness. Um, you'll always find your own work as far as representation. Uh, that never ends, even when you have a manager, an agent. I've had both. I've had at middle-level level agencies. Agents always seem like they're, they'll only go out with a script when a manager sort of is like, you know, will we'll say, oh, it's okay, you know, manager's with you a longer haul. My managers always find the agent. That's the thing. Once, once you find a manager, they usually come out of production or they come out of um, a development and they want to produce. Agents can't produce uh, by law, but agencies package, so it's kind of a weird thing. But um, managers, then once they work on the script with you and they have knowledge of, of you know, development, they say, I think we're ready to find you an agent. That's when the agent comes into play, where they say, I know a good agent we can go to. And so... Um, with my writing partner uh, back in the day, this is what happened. Our manager found the agent who, who stuck with us for three scripts, and then he cut us loose because we didn't sell one, probably because you know agents have bosses as well. And what are you spending time on the writers that aren't? You know, I've got 10 clients and five are not working, and you're number 14 out of the 10, and uh, it's called a hip pocket client. And so you've heard of that term. That means that you're in the hip pocket. You're not signed, but you can go around and say, well, you know, call my agent Fred at CAA, and Fred will take their call. 
and uh, but no one's daily pushing to try to get you work. You know, it's it, yeah, it's the kind of thing. You know, it's sort of like, eh, you know, um, it's good. I mean, something happens, but they're sort of like, yeah, we got a lot of hip pocket people, and we don't really have to focus on them. So um, it's a good thing, um, but just be aware of it. Um, development hell, like I've mentioned. Um, you could get stuck in it. One time I had a professor at UCLA, that's all she was in, is in development hell. She never sold anything. It was just, you know, made money, but um, that was it. So um, we talked about the step. Yeah, yeah, we'll open it up. If you're first starting in, let's say, let's say you've done the work, you have a bunch of good scripts, you've maybe won a couple of awards. What's the best, what's the next step? Is, is it better to get a manager first or an agent? I think a manager. A manager is the best person to start with. An un uncredited, unknown writer yeah. to go to an agent, like a middle level or bigger. In my opinion, personally, they're not going to have time to, to try to break a new writer. It's too difficult. Send you around and be like, who is this person? I've got 10 people who aren't working. They want to have a product that's like... They want you to find something and say, oh my God, Brad Pitt I found wants to do my movie. Oh my, please come in. Mm, yeah. You know, so, but you're always... <laughs> You're always um, doing your own work, always trying to find, even when you have reps, you're always networking. That's the most important thing is networking. You understand? So, any questions? Hey, yeah. Is there an appropriate way to network? Sure. I got an email recently from someone that said, um, do you know a producer director who can uh, help me with my script? That's not, that's not appropriate. You know, it's like, who are you and why are you even sending me this email? I'll help someone that I know and, and like the material because I'm putting my own reputation out there too. Which is like I say, with agents, you have to understand, when they send you to all of their people, they're putting their reputation on the line. You say, you sent me this crazy person, you know, what's going on? Or, or somebody, um, so when they're gonna play that hand, they don't play it that many times. Like with our agent after three times, he was done playing that, you know, how many times do we send these guys around when they're not, they're not selling? And you know, but, yeah, there is appropriate way. Um, like, like an example. I mean, you would say, um. yeah, just be respectful and don't expect. I think don't expect anything from anybody is the key. But um, have something. If you're going to ask, make sure that you have the goods to back it up. That's what I say. Because you're going to get one shot. If you approach someone and say, "I've got this thing, and it's not quite ready," you know, I have hands that I have yet to play. And I'm only going to play him when I'm absolutely sure to draw on that favor. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think so, I had a, a problem. Like, how do you, like, from my situation, like, I've been writing for four years. Right. But during that time I've been writing, I've also been in the house for four years. So how do you put yourself out? In the house, you mean not out networking? Right. Oh, you go to what I said, all these networking events and, um, uh, uh, script um, screen, screenwriting network has them like every Friday, and they're at a hotel, and everyone meets. It's packed, and blah blah blah. You know, you start making those those contacts, and I'm not sure if producers are there, but you know, um, you you run into some, or just be out. I mean, this town, you throw a rock, and you run into somebody. My friend bumped into somebody. Oh, um, you're one of the biggest producers in town's assistant. So he's like, hey, and he's got the gift of gab. So he's like, hey, my friend's a writer. You know, I'm like, Shh, you know, yeah, you know. I mean, you never know. But you just approach someone properly. I mean, properly, you know what I mean? Just, you know what I mean? It's, but, but you're talking about those networking things. Those are good for 
getting in that mix, you know, people. So. What is a um, show Bible? I've heard that term. Yeah, show Bible is like. What does that consist of? It consists of the whole, like, the first season, all the characters. They want to see, you know, the mistake you can make is to write a pilot and then turn it in. And then they read it and go, great, I really like to see where this goes. And you go, I don't have anything else. You have to have the first season mapped out, the characters, their interactions with each other, um, little, um, uh, and you know, there's no, I mean, you can find examples online, but there's a million different kind of examples. But as long as you have the amount of information to show them where this, this concept is going, and can it go for like seven years or something? Are we gonna have a 10 year show on our hands or you don't have any more ideas for these characters? You know, and so you have the first season mapped out in a synopsis, character profiles, and then, you know, little lines about what each episode's about, you know. So, and you just look online, um, show Bible, and they'll, but they're very, it's funny because you got to dig. They're very secretive. There's one online from Battlestar Galactica, which is like crazy. You've seen that one, right? But otherwise, you go, there's plenty of scripts online, pilot scripts, but the show Bibles, they're really like, no, oh, nobody wants to show what it's about. It's very secret, you know. Even if the show has been over? <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know why, yeah. So there is no set format for that, because I wrote a, sh uh, a series Bible, yeah. sent it, and I haven't got any comments on the series Bible at all. So I don't know, you know, yay, nay, or whatever. I just, it's just those basics. I mean, there's, you know. And then an overview. Yeah, an overview, and yeah. And then uh, character profiles. Right. That was three pages, and then every episode, the first 13 episodes. Yeah. yeah. Sounds yeah. pretty extensive to me. Right. But no comments at all. I don't know. Waiting. I'll hear next week. Actually, I heard Monday. I'll get to hear in the next two weeks. Again, waiting. See, that's you know, it's, that's you know, there's long expanses of time. I want to hear tomorrow. Well, you'll hear in a month. You know, yeah. kind of jumping off of that. Um, oh, sorry. I, I already no. teaching. Okay. No, actually, you were talking about timing. That the timing needs to be right. So, what's the current marketplace like? Well, the movies uh, that are coming out now were, you know, made a year and a half ago. So, I mean, you know, if you're looking to follow trends. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I just have an example, sorry, um, about budget. Um, everyone saw uh, Get Out? Okay, that was a four and a half million dollar budget film. And um, it grossed, uh, I was completely astonished, 255 million worldwide. That's 56 times its budget. Four million dollar film, four and a half million. So, would you rather try to write a big tentpole summer movie that we'd all love to write, and then you write your thing and say, here's $100 million, or write more of an indie film? It doesn't even have to be four, it could be one million. Now maybe the pay isn't as great, but if you're trying to swing to that, you know, you know, how many, 75 scripts a year or so, you know, you know. So timing, I don't know. I mean, you, I, again, you write what you wanna write, but look at the horror movies are always popular. I don't know what genre you like to write, but. A lot of different things. A lot of different things, What, what yeah. about like Netflix and Amazon? I'm reading a lot about it. so much. Yeah, Netflix. So Everybody's going to Netflix. I love everybody says, well, just go to Netflix to pitch it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> okay, they got a lot of money, but it's not that easy to get into Netflix. Everybody's trying to do, I've got people um, who are established going, well, we're gonna get into Netflix. Okay, when, when is that gonna happen, you know? Um, it does happen, they have a lot of money, you know, but just because doesn't mean they're going to buy everything. You know, it's another opportunity and another place to go if you can get in, you know. So you had a... Yeah, I was wondering, so for assignments or for spec scripts, whenever you're going in for your first draft, 
what are, what are some tips you have to stay on for the second draft or later? And also from the flip side, if you are coming in as the rewriter, yeah. what is it that made them you know, let go of the first writer in the first place and how do you not make those mistakes to, to, to stay on and not be another person that got fired from this? Most of the time is that um, they, didn't, they didn't execute what was sold. So the outline that was given, they didn't, they they couldn't execute it to the ability of like, wow, this is not that good, you know. And and like I say, the first drafts I have to turn in can't be a four or five; it has to be like an eight, and and it should be because I've got the thing to work with, right? Um, if I'm turning in a five, all right, we'll do a second draft, and you know, and we'll try to get it, you know. But if you're turning in something that's like not even there, then they could. You know, okay, we'll give you another shot, you know, and okay, and then a third one, all right, um, well, we got some time, give you another shot. And then after that, they're like, you're now impeding the development, and we have a start date and people who want the thing, so we have to say goodbye, and it's uh, sometimes it's a firing, and sometimes it's, we're going to bring in somebody else. And it's sort of like a nice little, like, but thank you very much, thank you, we'll see you at the screening, maybe. And uh, <laughs> look for your credit, maybe. Um, and uh, yeah. And so coming in as a rewriter, um, when I'm given something, it's hard because when I read that draft, but I can be totally objective because it's not my script. So I can look at it too and go, oof, you know, what did she? But they're saying, here's what doesn't work. They have their own notes about well, this is not what working. So go back to this, you know, go back to the original thing and fix it. And so a lot of times you can have 40 pages that you may be able to use. The names, you know, the title, obviously, and things. But then you've got to suss out the other 60 pages and then sort of weave it back into place. And other times it's like, you can't use any of this. I mean, there's nothing to salvage, which is the hardest because you're basically writing a brand new script. I mean, essentially. Um, but it's, it's a good... It's a job, but it's also a good uh, way to learn structure. And it, the best way uh, to learn about something is what for somebody else's mistakes. Your mistakes too, but when you look at something, you go, God, that was just... And then some of your own ideas of what you think is wrong matches with the producers. So you're all in the same... And sometimes say, here, what do you think is wrong with this? And then you read it and tell them, and they say, okay, you know. So, I mean, you start to get... Now, again, I've turned down stuff because I, I was just like, that's just too much stuff. You know what I mean? It's not, I'm going to say, I'm going to pass, you know. But you don't want to pass too many times. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about how to get um, rewritten jobs? Yeah, that's the uh, million dollar question. Um, it, it's happened from companies I worked with before, so they could see that I could write anyway and, and turn out material. And then they would say, oh, we need this um, polished or this fixed. So um, you just have to have that one, that one break, you know what I mean? That one chance for somebody and you, and you shine. You know what I mean? That's why I say about every opportunity you have, you have to shine because you never know when it's like, you're the one who did it. You saved the production. And then now we have the, you know, we else we have in the fall, we get this other thing. And now you're, you know, now you're working with these people on a regular basis is what how you become a working writer. Have you been on the other side, the flip side of that coin where you've been rewritten and you've gotten somebody, you know, come in and actually saved your script and actually did, you know? I was rewritten um, because I'd never worked with a producer and I'm not defending myself, but um, 
we, he was, they, he didn't think I could do the work in, in the timetable. And so um, they just said, you know, we're going to have somebody else come in. And it wasn't like, it wasn't a complete rewrite. It's sort of, and, the, and these are new notes that were coming in, which, you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, it's, it's happened. And then the job. Were you happy with the finished product? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I was ecstatic. Because that check they cashed right away. It was great. Um, isn't there a certain percentage that you have to have rewritten to get a credit or yeah WJ yeah yeah it is but if it's um it's like half and half then you can share or in my case whatever your contract can negotiate you say well you know um, and I'm fine with sharing credit with someone in as long as it's you know appropriate absolutely that one guy who said no credit with anyone I'm still wondering if he's willing to share credit I'm not sure. And uh, going back to the thing we were talking about, like TV, Netflix versus movies and that kind of yeah. blurred line, yeah. because there is this blurred line that we have now, um, let's, say you ha let, let, let's say you want to do a D.B. Cooper story, mm -hmm. and, and, let, and, let, so it's, and you're like, wow, this is like a lot of stuff, and I, it's like long, and I can make a feature, but it, man, I'm really cramming it. Right. Um, and let's say you're, n you're not quite sure. Uh, is it better to write like a miniseries, or is it better just to be like, you know what, I'm just gonna make the best feature I can, and maybe let's say if it goes to I don't know, Netflix or whatever, but let's say it goes somewhere and they and they're like, this is great, can we make it into a miniseries? Like, absolutely. There's all this stuff I had to cut out. Like, do you have any opinion on what's the best way to do something like that? Like, if you have a story that's maybe like you could make it into a feature, but geez, it'd be better as a miniseries, um, or you don't know that they would say make it a miniseries. So right. I think you put your best foot forward with what you think is the best for you. Okay. And because um, a miniseries is a whole different structured ball game than, yeah, than, yeah. than that. Um, and now movies are not just, you know, I'm talking about movies for TV is not TV. You know, there's Netflix now making $60 million budget movies. They're movies. They're just not in the theater. So you've got these really wide crossings of, uh, you know, things that we never used to have before. Or it doesn't have to be this select TV or a film, you know. But I, at the same time, writing a lot of specs, started writing TV pilots as well, and got sort of, you know, good with that as well. Not that, um, you know, I've so I had two assignment jobs on that, but um, that were never, you know, made into shows. But but it expanded that opportunity than just pounding your head against the spec wall, you know. Again, like spec, spec. So that's why I say. Look, look at those specs as, as calling cards and opportunities to get jobs. Because if you don't have that, when you go to a meeting, they say, what else you have? And you don't want to, you know, bring, boop, you know, back up the U-Haul and say, well, I've got 50 scripts. You know, it's going to be like, wow, you have 50 scripts and you haven't sold anything? <laughs> you know, that could look bad too. You know what I mean? Um, so you go, yeah, I have one. And then you, you're quiet about the rest of them until, you know, I mean, and, and like, let's, let's say, like, hey, what else you got? And you're like, hey, I got this project. What, what's considered a project? Like, can you just be like, oh, I have, like, an outline? Do you, ha do you have to have... You better a... have something. Because if they say, I want to see it, and you run home on the weekend and go, you know, I mean, you're like, don't be selling stuff you don't have. I mean, you can be... But that's my question. What's, what's expected to be shown on a drop of a hat? Is it okay to just have, like, an outline? Or yeah, you say I'm working on something, you know. I'm, you know, I, better to... Have something to read. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if yeah, they're yeah, going to yeah. sit down and read an outline and go, "Yeah, this is great," but we're, you're going to be more impressive if you finished a script, an outline. It's boring. 
Right. So it, you they, read through they, and you're like, okay, what the hell is this? You they know, would now much rather have I can a, give this script to you to write the outline, or you or you, and everybody might have a different, you know, or I give it to uh, Shane Black, you know, oh my gosh, you know. Um, so if you have something finished, you know, whereas a pitch or an idea is, you know, it's in the ether, there's a million ideas out there. I got an idea, great, go write it. Well, that's what I meant versus like a, like a treatment or an outline. Something is written down. Written. They don't, I don't think they want to read an outline. It's not going to help them because they want to read a finished product that yeah. you've already done. But they They're, can see clearly in their head. Yeah, and also to show, an outline's not going to show your ability as a writer or your voice, your talent. I mean, not to put an outline down, but it's not the same as the, the execution of a screenplay. That's the real bread and butter of, of like, wow, it's a great TV pilot. Oh, wow, this is really cool. You know, this is well written. So, um, you know, have that arsenal before. And that's why I say about the patience. Uh, so many writers are impatient because they want to get out there. They want to work. But you also have to be mature enough to pull back and go, not the time, grasshopper. You know, be very zen. Mm-mm. Not good. And then finally, and there's going to be people you know might have something good happen and go, eh, you know, but only play that hand when you're ready, when you totally feel, who knows even then, right? You're going to, you're just going to go through all the different journeys and levels. But, but when you're confident, go for it. Because you can, you know, better to make mistakes on your own than have somebody else's mistakes. You know, live or die by your own choices, not somebody else telling you what to do and go, why did I do that? You know? When does patient become too patient, though? Like, how long? I, I'll just give you an yeah. example. I got a handshake three years ago now. Yeah, that's and, a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. I've had, I've had a president of production go, we go in six weeks. Six weeks, I can buy that car. I can, because he said it's the president of production. It's not some lackey, you know, doesn't cost anything. So after three years, what do you do to put pressure on him? Say, listen, either. Three years? I, I don't know. I'll tell you, well. I, in Sunny I don't know if you know Sunny yeah. yeah. I mean, not personally, but yeah. 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 So uh, this is going back 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm in his office, and he had optioned my script for two years. He had it. And after two years, I said, Sunny, I said, listen, either we should have got up the pot. And right. Exactly. Right. And he's like, he goes, you come in, he, he stood up from his desk, he walked over to the door, he goes, you see that name on the door? He goes, it says Sunny, it doesn't say Tommy. And he goes, I'll tell you when it's going to be done. And I said, Sunny, that's it, I'm taking the rights back. And I it's old school. Yeah, it's old. I'm taking the rights he, back. He went, no, he wanted to put on the gloves. He was like, he's like, yeah, you look like you're ready to put on the gloves. I was like, sorry. Anyway, so now I have it with this other guy for three years. And, you know, we're good friends. I've known this guy 20 years. But yeah. After three years, I keep, I'm like down here when they, he's working on his own projects. That's where, do you have a contract? And, and no free work either. You know, make producers put skin in the game, as I always say, because it doesn't cost anybody to say, you know, interest is cheap and free. I'm really interested in your script. Have you had, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. you know, do a couple of changes. Maybe change the ending. No. If you're really interested, you will put some money down and we'll have a nice contract. It doesn't, a piece of paper. It says all what we're all understanding here. And it doesn't have to be a million dollars. Options usually 10% of the purchase price or if it's whatever it is, you can make it five or $500, whatever. But it's something that makes it real because talk is, that's the business is all about that. Yeah, yeah. And so, as you know, you have experienced it as well. It just takes, you know, everybody's interested until suddenly they're not. And then they string every, and then a little more, oh, oh, who got that fish while they're doing other stuff. And you're like, you're, you're burning up my time here. Right. You know, that's where the attorney comes into play. And it shouldn't have to be any battles. It should be just professionals. Like professionals act professionally, but not everybody is that way. Right. So, 
What is your opinion on the blacklist? Do you have any experience? Mm. Um, I don't. I've heard good things about it. Yes. Um, Do you know any success stories? I've heard about, about a few. People? Yeah. But um, anybody else of you know the blacklist? I no, networking yeah. events. Yeah. Um, it's like where other people give ratings to your script or something. Is that how it works? I don't, I don't quite know. Yeah. It's uh, Hollywood agents. It's like oh, the agencies and the management right. companies all have an agreement on there's that part of it where it's they will decide what the best screenplays of the year are. Yeah. And sometimes it's super helpful because you'll see, uh, you know, specs by right. amateurs, but you'll also see Quentin Tarantino's <laughs> latest script just because he hasn't found the right production company, right? Yet, stuff like that. And then there's another part of it that's a lot more about community, yeah, and which is more recent. Yeah, that's a more yeah. recent yeah. development with the blacklist. Right. So and again, another tool in the arsenal, you know, to try to to try to find that that um, break, you know. But like I say, this is all about staying in the game. And that's every aspect of it, you know, not just you, you is your responsibility to write, but it's also you responsibility to, you know, uh, not blame others because you're not at a certain place or you see jealousy or blah, blah, blah. I mean, I've lost relationships because I've decided to do this, you know, personal relationships. And, you know, it's like, really? We, you know, um, but, uh, you know, take responsibility. But on all those aspects, like I said, know what's going on in the business, read. You know, these are all things. It's not um, just sitting down writing a script. You know, it's all the bigger stuff. And it's hard to finally get to a place because we all have stuff going on in our lives. You know, if writing's not your main gig, you got a lot of other things pulling and tugging at you that can just lead you, you know, and then suddenly it's like three years later. Okay. Not that you're not working hard at it. But I'm saying, even when you are working hard at it, it's like, mm, you know, things start to, to veer off the, the pathway. So you have to stay focused. And, um, and when it does happen, when you're on the set, it's the most amazing thing. You know, when actors are sitting there and saying your lines, you're just like, wow, this is so, you know, I still get a kick out of it. Trust me, going to set is just still an amazing thing. How, how much, in your opinion, does it matter to have uh, completed, like, like let's say the other options are time. It's like, I could probably write this, like, great spec, but it's probably going to be expensive, but it's going to be awesome versus, hey, you know what, I got a buddy, he makes not the best movies, but he makes okay movies mm -hmm. and they're made, and I can maybe spend my time de you know, developing something with him that he will, you know, it'll have a really good chance of getting made, even though it'll be, you know, like a, you know, $200,000 movie or something, okay. let's say. In your opinion, uh, is there an extra value that you get for something that was made if you're starting out? The value in having a credit, of course, it means you're, you're You've had a movie made. If you want to go that other way and try to play in the biggest leagues possible, you can spend your time doing that. It's a personal choice. Um, but think about all the stuff going on, the competition of your, you know, your spec trying to be in in the pantheon of. I mean, yeah, it could happen. Um, uh, but seventy-five specs last year, you know. Do you want to spend your time on that, or you want to go to something and go, wow, okay, maybe like I was saying, maybe not. Um, where I want to stay forever, of course not. But let's say one turns into the next, and one goes blah blah blah, and then the third one they go, "Hey, did you ever think about directing one of these?" I didn't. What you know, you never know what opportunity comes in. You know, and a credit's a credit. When you're uncredited, you're uncredited. Nobody's taking a chance on you. Nothing's been made. Nothing has been shown. Nothing's been whatever. So, um, but that's a personal choice. You know, I've had people say, "Oh, I," you know, I've had friends or actors go, "It's just." 
it's too difficult not to be just, you know, which is ridiculous, like at the highest levels. I said, you should be happy to be a character actor who works, you know, entire life. Like, you're that guy or you're, you're that, yeah, you were in the thing, right? Or whatever. But to try to be the star, okay, good luck. You know, I mean, that's a heavy burden to try to, it all depends on what you want to do. I'd get in, if you have an in at that company, I'd get in and work the hell out of it. If you have an in, that's, that's hard enough to find an in where somebody goes, yeah, we're going to give you a shot. And you're not going to stay there forever. If you look at some people who are big now, they worked at Troma, you know, and there's all sorts of things that they worked in. They moved up because it was almost like they were paid to learn. You know what I'm saying? And racked up the experience which no one can take away from you. And then you have it over the person who has nothing, no credits, nothing, that holds out for that big payday or that big, well, I want to have the summer movie of the thing. So did I. That's absolutely I did. And after five, six, seven of those, writing this, okay, that one didn't sell, yeah, you know. Round robin, round robin, you know. It's not that you don't give up. Of course not. But you find your, you find your way. And, and it's not always going to be the way or the place you think it is. And you have to see an opportunity when it comes up because they're hard to get. And so if you can get into a place and start working it, and, and then some final thing about being a multi-hyphenate. I, out of film school, my film, my thesis film was not great. It was fine. You know, I had friends who made amazing films that got them signed, you know. Um, at least I didn't go into debt for 30 grand, you know, for my film. Um, but I always loved the fact of being a writer because I could do it anywhere. And I could write six scripts a year. I can't direct six movies a year, you know. And I could be, and it's a solitary thing. It's very, you know, you being writers, it's great. I love it. Absolutely love it. But after a certain point, you go, hmm, you know, I want to stretch out a little bit, you know, and say, you know, I'm tired of having people dictate stuff and say, and, you know, some bad ideas and this, I want to be more involved. And so you have to say, well, I want to be a producer. Well, how do you do that? You have to have a piece of material that say, no, 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 I'm not giving this up. I have to be coming with it. Now, how many chances do you get that? But on a lower level, absolutely. You sell a big spec, I'm going to produce it. But on that level, you do three or four of them, you can negotiate a deal and say, now this one I want to produce. And the next thing you know, you know what I mean? You start to get in, then you start to have your own projects you think of because no one can take away your ability to write or create. So it's important to see, you know, and it may be the wrong choice. Who knows? You know what I mean? Yeah. But nobody knows nothing. Nobody nobody knows nothing. nothing. But, but basically, like, having something made, having a credit is extremely valuable even if it's a lower budget smaller absolutely in the doesn't matter people saw it doesn't matter in fact the person who's probably going to give you a job ain't going to sit there and watch that movie they're going to go oh i see you worked with blah 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 you know and then it becomes about now what do you have in front of me that's impressive because you did just like going to film school no one ever said wow you went to ucla film school no one ever said that in a meeting but if it came up they go oh you got into film school. It was one out of seven chance. So that's impressive because we know you were serious and you worked your ass off and you went through it. So, you know, it shows certain certain things, you know. Okay, one, one more question. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, well, having similar ideas is more often than not. If you've approached a studio or a producer and they say, well, they got something in development so you get shut out, can you shop that idea your oh, of idea course. somewhere else or even make your own film. Oh, absolutely, because it's yours. It, you know, like the D.B. Cooper thing, that's public domain because, you know, um, but we just happened to find an idea that someone else thought was a good idea. We didn't get to it first. Two uncredited knuckleheads.
you know, my writing partner and I go, well, this is a great idea. And unfortunately, big A-list actor had always wanted to play this character and already had the thing set up. And that company, um, when our manager, after our agent cut us loose, um, the funny thing is, after two scripts uh, that he burned out, this, the agent, he said, what else you got? And so I was like, we don't have anything else. And my partner goes, I got it. I got a great, you know, and we had talked about it, but I didn't realize he was going to bring it up in the meeting. So he started doing his pitch and I was sitting there going, okay. And then the agent's eyes got big. He goes, that's it. Write that movie. I like that. So we go, great. We have our marching orders. So we go and write that movie, right? Six months later, we come back. I think it was six months. I think it was six weeks. He took three weeks. <laughs> he took three weeks to get to it. Not a good sign from your agent. Three weeks. Um, and his, his, um, his uh, he called their manager and said, it's not for me. That was his saying, see you guys later. You know, three, three strikes and out. So our manager said, it's okay, which managers do. We'll find a home. And went out herself to like a big send out because it, it, it didn't go out. And so she went out and we got, you know, some interest and blah, blah, blah. And then that's when we found out about this other company and we we're like, oh God, this thing's dead, 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 dead. So you never know, the specter of similar ideas. But I think it means that you're thinking in a good way because if you're thinking of ideas that are selling, you're onto something. You know they make a D.B. Coopler latch now? Oh yeah, plane. oh yeah. You do that? Yeah. Yeah, when the plane is in motion, the, the, the wind blows it closed and closes Oh, the interesting, floor. yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, piracy didn't happen, so. You can last, last okay. two, yeah. Okay, um, how realistic is it for a writer to genre hop? I had a professor tell me that I didn't know myself and that I didn't have a voice because I was coming up with ideas in different genres. I said, here's a horror, here's a dramedy, here's a, com a comedy, and he said, you're doing it the wrong way. Uh, genre, yeah, no, I. you can come up with ideas in different genres. Of course you can. I mean, you just have to find a genre that you, that you dig, you know, you like. So you're proficient at it and good. If you don't like horror, don't write horror. You know what I mean? I mean, because it's going to be like, Ugh, you know, and it may show through that you don't really, you know, if you love horror movies, write the hell out of them. I always say find a genre you love and write the hell out of it. Now, you can't, you may write three or four scripts, your first few may be different genres because you're still, you know, figuring things out. doesn't mean I have to commit to it. Of course not. But when you're out there and, you know, if you give someone a comedy spec that opens a door and they make comedies, you're not going to go back to them with an action movie unless it's a comedy action movie. You know what I mean? So in that way, the first things that open doors are going to be like, we want more of the same. You know, the first thing you sell is probably going to be that kind of genre you work in but it depends on the companies I've worked in different genres I've done because independent way it doesn't sort of you're working for different companies and different producers who go we make this kind of movie you know we make this kind of movie you know I guess last question um, yeah uh, I'm in a couple of handshake deals right now and you said earlier that um, it's a good idea to kind of press pressure them to pay yeah because uh, it can I go mean, on for uh, three years I mean what you know Oh yeah, for for three years and yeah. all that. Yeah, that's it's been like a, a a few months with one and like not quite a year with the other. But it's you're it's tying you up. What's that? It's tying up your. Oh. You have no way to go. So you can't be peddling it to other people. So that's important. Absolutely. If they want to option it and tie it up, they have to pay, 
or we have to have an agreement that says, for six months, go nuts. But then after six months, I get it back, or three months, it depends. But this stringing along thing, just because, is, is not good for, for you, because it ties up your material. You can't go somewhere else. Um, my question was more about when, when you have a script and you have a pitch meeting, or you're um, talking with the producer. So the reason I ask is because I do a little bit of everything. I write and produce and direct and do all the things. So the lines are blurred for me. Right. So I don't want to step on other people's toes. Right. Like I'm the writer or I'm just the producer. Right. I don't want to be like, oh yeah, and blah, blah, blah. So how, how important is it as a screenwriter, for example, to also be able to um, talk about the money side? Right, like how are you going to make your money back? This is a five million dollar script. How are you going to make at least twenty million off of it? They would probably be like, "Oh God, you, uh, you, you must be more than a writer." You know. Do you need Do you need all that sort of information, or can you just go in with the story and not necessarily be as concerned about? Yeah, that would. Money uh, side. I never ask them how they're going to make their money back because I'm paid. You know what I mean? It's not. It's a whole different thing. So they don't ask you about like how like marketing or or no anything like, no, no, just no, no, no. like just here's your great idea. Yeah, that. no, those other things. Not that's only if you're getting to producing aspect where you're a producer writer or something like that. We have more more say in it. Otherwise, you're just the you're not just the but you know you're the hired gun or you're coming in and trying to pitch your thing. But when you start to get those other aspects, um, um, I would keep it just Is your it writer, your writer. If like if they're expecting like for example if it is if it isn't a mini series it's just an actual straight up series yeah and they're expecting you know they're not going to buy it if you only have one season so do they like it well that's where the show bible comes into play you're not going to write a whole season for free you'll write the pilot and then you'll do the show bible and they go oh and if God willing it sells then you know it'll it they'll be, find a showrunner and things will change but yeah you don't come in with like here's my whole thing and they're like whoa we didn't even have a chance to have a say in this you know they want to see through the show bible that you were thinking you know but yeah hopefully it answered well i thank you all for coming tonight from far and near and close and um, thank you. keep writing and uh i wish you all the best in your projects and just you know like i said it's uh, as you know, as writers, it's it's uh, you gotta love it, because it'll weed you out fast if you don't, you know. <laughs> it's, so, thanks everybody. Uh, five o'clock blue dot net is my website. Um, it's just got you know everything about what's going on and uh, my screenplay consulting services that I also offer. And, yeah, there's a form on there under the um, consulting page, yeah.